The Rays Radio Network proudly presents This Week in Rays Baseball. Here's your host, Neil Solons. Thanks for being with us on our latest podcast. Today we'll chat with one of the more exciting players in the organization in Greg Jones, who also was the Rays Minor League Base Runner of the Year a season ago. Field coordinator Michael Johns will provide some perspective about Greg as a player and a person. Plus, we'll speak with the new coordinator, Chris Osmond, who's overseeing strength and conditioning. We start with Greg Jones and what it meant to win Base Runner of the Year this past season. Well, I think that it, uh, it was good for me to notice or get to see that what I've been doing is being noticed, honestly, a little bit. You know, I felt like it wasn't my best year of running bases, I will say, even though I did win base runner of the year. I feel like there's a lot more that I still can learn and grow on and get better at, and it's just going to make me better for the future. And I want to get into that. Um, what did it also mean to win an organization like this one where there are so many really good athletes and really good base runners, too? Uh, honestly, it just gives you more sources. I mean, being around some of the best base runners, baseball players around, you know, you can pick up a little like little things from them what help them get through their get through what they do or how they do something and it can help you with how you do your stuff. There's, you know, some people say you've always been, I think, a good base stealer. What makes a good base stealer? And then let's get into what makes a good base runner, because base running is more than just stealing bases. Yeah, I feel like to be an elite base stealer, you need to know when to run. If you have a higher steal rate is what makes you a good like base stealer versus a base runner. Someone knows how to like maneuver their way around bases, which I like to say I'm pretty good at as well. When I get out there, I like to get to home plate as fast as I can. You mentioned that you still have some areas you want to grow in that area. What are the things like on the bases that you you think you can do better? Um, and how do you go about becoming better at those things? Honestly, I think reps is the ultimate the only way to really refine a skill and the little things I would really want to get better on is just like cleaning up my first couple steps. Cause I get out of whack, like out of rhythm a little bit on my first couple steps. So cleaning up my first couple steps could also speed me up. And I mean, other than that, there's not much that I like to really worry about. If you think too much, you'll get stuck over at first base a lot of the times. It's certainly a good point. The rules were different depending on what league you were in. What rules did you have to deal with, Greg, last year? And was there anyone that you liked as a base runner more than the other in the minors? Uh, no. But in high A, we had we had the rule where you had to clear the rubber in order to pick off the first base. So I think that was a joke, honestly, because you could still own lefties like it was no one's business. And I think that's really what helps lefties succeed honestly if you have a good pickoff move and can keep guys like off balance on the bases that just adds to your game and you can they were literally taking a piece away from pitchers with being able to like changing the rule like that I really think it made baseball it made it a little weird at first honestly it took me a little bit to get used to and then you had to adjust to something else when you got the double a because the rule was gone again so I feel like if if the rules were going to change, I think that should stay consistent throughout all the, all the steps, you know? And then what beyond obviously the base running, you did some really good things, but what else did you like most about your 2021 year? Uh, I learned a lot about myself uh, hitting wise. I learned that I got a little bit, of, a little bit more pop than I thought I did, I will say. And I think it's going to help me in the future, learn how to manage that, 
little bit of pop that I think I got, you know. What where where's the pop more noticeable for you? Is it because you're a switch hitter? Some guys have different swings, lefty and righty. Where is it more noticeable on your in your swing? Um I would say if you ask not me, a normal person, they would say I have more pop on the right side, but I might be a little bit more consistent from the left. But I try to like to say that I'm pretty even on both sides, honestly, because when I'm going good lefty, there ain't much that can really stop me versus the right side. And not that baseball is a home run derby, but if you had to do home run derby, do you left-handed or right-handed and why? Uh, people ask me this question a lot, and every time I say right-handed. Huh. But honestly, I think it depends on the day. Because as a switch hitter, you, one day your swing could be feeling great from one side and like you haven't seen a baseball in a couple of days on the other side because you have you might go a couple of days without seeing a pitcher, a lefty pitcher or a righty pitcher, vice versa. How, yeah, well, how have you learned about, you know, just as a pro trying to spend the time and find a routine to get that balance in terms of your swing? Because that's not an easy thing, as you mentioned. Uh, honestly, I try to just keep it even, like reps-wise. When I'm uh, in the cages, pregame, all of that, I try to do the same amount on the on one side as as I do the other. And, and Greg, you're obviously in a system where the Rays are um, have a lot of talented infielders. To this point, they've kept you entirely at shortstop. How much do you appreciate that, and just the chance to learn and grow at that position? Honestly, I I, I love it because. If I'm if I can play shortstop at a high level versus being able or being in the outfield and playing at a high level, I'd rather be able to play shortstop and play at a high level because I think it makes me way more valuable as a player. So them giving me the opportunity to learn as much as I can in the infield really means a lot to me because it just shows that they believe in me and they can they believe that I can put in the work to become the infielder that I need to be. Is there a feeling too, Greg, if you can play shortstop, you can play anywhere? I mean, not a knock on any other position on the infield or outfield, but if you're athletic enough to play that well, that the transition is a lot easier from there to something else than from something else to shortstop. Uh, I would say it would be really hard for someone else to come from a different position and play shortstop versus someone going from shortstop and playing a different position. I would say it would be a, it'd be a little bit more easier because – you know, you get so set into playing one position out there. There's a lot of things that go on when you're playing shortstop. A lot more stuff you have to pay attention to. What are the things on the defensive end, Greg, where you felt you you took some really good steps last year? And then let's kind of walk through what you want to improve on in this coming year on the defensive end. Uh, really the big thing I think that helped me the most is getting a, a consistent, like, pre-pitch routine because it allowed to uh, be ready for every single pitch. And I feel like that's what would get me in trouble back in the day when I was playing shortstop is I would, you know, take some pitches off and, you know, you know, you would get that ground ball, then you wouldn't be ready for it. But now I try to be ready for every single pitch because you never know when that ball is going to be coming at you. And it's like, it comes a whole lot harder now than it used to. You know, I've, I've seen some video of some of the incredible plays you make how much of shortstop to you is making that incredible play and how much of it is being able to be a guy that, you know, it makes all routine plays. You know, you always probably, you probably want the guy that's going to make all the routine plays, but you know, the guy that can go out there and save you a run when they really, when you really need that run saved, I think is more valuable. 
And then in terms of your overall game, Greg, what's been like the routine for you this offseason? How much because this was your first full season of baseball. How much time did you give for your body to recover? And then what kind of things have you been doing to get ready for next year? Uh, I took a couple, I took like a month, a month and a half, two months off after the season, just to give myself, uh, some time to rest. Cause I had some, uh, leg injuries that I was dealing with from the last season. And after that, I just got back into lifting and things really taking care of my body, putting a focus on what, how I was eating, what I was eating and how I was working out to make sure that hopefully this year I won't have those problems. So weight-wise, are you pretty similar to last year? Have you added some weight? Added where? How would you say if someone saw you at the end of the year and now sees you at this point, how different are you, if at all? Uh, I would say I'm not, not much different from where I used to be. I say I probably weigh about the same. You know, I really like the frame that I'm in right now because, like I said, I was really toned or keyed in on some on realizing how much pop I had last year so I felt like I didn't really need to put on that much more weight as of right now because I feel like that'll come with age and from a you know this system is so many talented players you know we touched on shortstop you know you look up and down the system whether it's shortstop or middle infielders um, there's just tremendous athleticism how much do you think that helps players like yourselves grow just to have that kind of competition level within a system you know, if you don't, if you play the game of baseball and you ain't got no competition to you, it's going to be hard to succeed. So being able to be put in a situation where you're surrounded by the best baseball players and it's in a, in a way it's you versus them. But like I said before, I learned a whole bunch, a lot from those guys. And, you know, you know, you know how baseball works. Team, teams and players, they get traded around all the time. So you never know when they'll be ready for your turn. And on that end, you know, you mentioned the competitiveness and the teams, you know, the teams you played on last year, Bowling Green won a championship. Montgomery was a game away, uh, a play away from winning a championship too. How, for you, how important is winning in developing your game? Um, winning, I feel like developing the game, I put a more emphasis on more so than winning because, you know, as of right, I mean, we're, we want to win, obviously. That's what makes baseball fun. But if you can go out there and just compete like it's your last game every single time, you, you win some, you lose some, you ain't going to win them all. And if you dwell on losses like that, I feel like it can really take a toll on you. And as you're setting goals for yourself, Greg, for this year, what's, what's important in 2022? It, when you get to the end of the year, what are some things that, you know, boxes you want to check off? What would they be? I just want to be able to look back on the season and point out the little things that I learned that helped me get through the season, you know? And I really don't try to set goals for myself because it puts a little pressure on yourself, adding pressure that you don't need, honestly. And I think it's, I think that's a great way to look at things. Is there like, from your standpoint, mentally, are there certain things that, you know, you do to check out once baseball is done for the day or things that help you relax? Because I think it's really important not to be consumed by the game 24-7, that you are doing things outside of, you know, obviously you're preparing for the games, you're you're putting yourself, you're eating right, you're, you're taking care of your body, but what do you do when you're away from the field that kind of help you relax mentally? Um... Honestly, I just try to relax when I'm away from the field, take my mind off baseball as much as I can since we do it and it's our life. You know, baseball is life now. So try to take our mind off it 
at, at, at times because it can engulf your brain and get you thinking, like I said before. And if you think too much about baseball, it'll really, it can really take a toll on you, especially if you're thinking the wrong way. Have the, um, the fact that the Rays have do so much with mental skills training, has that benefited you to this point too? A hundred percent. I know I uh, see Josh, Josh posts a lot of stuff on his social media. You know, I go through it and read it probably when he posts his stuff and it's always great content, you know, and it's things they don't always just, um, how am I trying to say this? They can always benefit you in some way, you know? You can always put them into your life and somehow and have it like, I don't know, talk your way through it. I think it's well said. And uh, hopefully this is a, a, an enjoyable rest of the off season for you. I look forward to seeing you back on the field soon in the race system and hopefully even, uh, a, a, you know, more success ahead for you, Greg. Yes, sir. Thank you. That's Greg Jones. And next up is field coordinator, Michael Johns on the talented shortstop. And as you'll hear, Johns is quite high on Jones's future. Yeah, I'm really, really glad we're talking about Greg Jones, one of my favorite players, one of all of our favorite players, for a lot of reasons. I think when we first drafted Greg, obviously it was a high-profile pick, first round, our first pick, and he got to Hudson Valley. And he was one of those kids that just right away was a little bit – you could tell he had a lot of confidence, but he wasn't really going to let you in. It was more like you had to get to know him. Um, and it was a little bit standoffish at, at first, but once you once you get to know Greg, he's one of the most genuine, hardworking, loving human beings. G- great teammate. You can tell his parents did a really good job raising him because he has a really good just way about him. Um, his teammates love him. Latin American, younger, older. You know, every coach just really likes working with Greg Jones because he's such a treat. Um, the one thing that he will do is he'll make you a better coach. Like he's not going to just do something to do it. There better be an explanation. There better be some, some why. And I think that's great. I mean, he holds us accountable for how we coach him. And I think that makes us all better. Um, But Greg's one of those guys that's going to make his teammates better just by the way he is, the way he goes about his business. And he's going to make coaches better too. You mentioned he's a good worker. What makes him a good worker? What are the things that you see from him on a daily basis when you're around him? I think you could, yeah, you could probably, that's a good question. You could probably take good work in a lot of different ways, right? You could probably go down a bunch of rabbit holes. This is the guy, the first one there, the last one that leaves, he take the most reps. To, I think to me, at least, a good worker is a guy that can, is able to take what you are, are presenting to him and he's able to apply it and he's able to do it over and over and over and he keeps working at it and he's really good with the routine and he's good with the mundane and he's good with the boring. Um, being on the half field for 30, 45 minutes, an hour, or if it's during the season, you know, four hours before the game, working on the craft that he needs to get better at. Th- those are good workers, guys that, that show up and they're ready to go. They're not dreading it. They know that, you know, to get to the big leagues, this is what, what it's going to take. To be an everyday major league player, this is what it's going to take. So that's when I think about good worker, that's what I think. It's not necessarily a guy that gets there first and leaves last. You, Yeah, of course you want those guys, but the good worker to me is the guy that shows up ready to go. You mentioned, you know, his nature when you first meet him. He comes off to me as just someone who is a little quiet at first. Is he that way in the clubhouse? Is he more gregarious once his teammates get to know him? What's he like with his teammates? Yeah, I thought the same thing, though. I thought, man, am I ever going to get through to this kid? And it took about two or three trips into Hudson Valley that first year for me to kind of crack the the surface. But, you know, I think that 
his his staff that year, you know, it took a week or two before he kind of opened up. But once he does, man, you, you got him and he's, you know, he's going to be your friend and, and a great teammate for life. Um, he's one of those guys that it's just going to take some time. You know, it, it'll take some time to get to know him. Um, he wants to get to know you. And then once that happens, you know, it's it's just a really, you know, unique relationship. His career, as so many guys from 19, got off to an odd start. You know, you play in 19 because of COVID. You basically get two weeks in 20. And then in 21, he played at two levels getting to double A, but he also had to deal with an injury in Major League Spring Training Camp. What did you learn about him having to deal with some of that adversity? You're right. What a like what a crazy career path for that 2019 class, especially Greg. You know, he plays in Hudson Valley, and then we we bring him to the alt site in 2020. So he's playing against guys that, <laughs> that are really good. Some of those guys happen to be in the big leagues right now. And he was facing them every day and he was competing with them in the infield. And, you know, it was, it was a really tough task for only playing half a year of pro ball. And then the next year, yeah, he has, he has the injury and then he comes in, you know, to, to Bowling Green and then he has really good success and we send him Montgomery and then another injury. But, you know, as far as everyone's path is going to be a little different. Um, but I think I hope that we never have to experience uh, something like to the 2019 draft class did because it's tough because it's like everyone got old. It's kind of the saying right now in baseball that everyone's a year older with, without the experience of a year of a season. So it's tough. And we have to keep that in the back of our minds with, with not only Greg, but everybody um, with just how we're how we're evaluating them. He has come up as a shortstop. You have so many talented shortstops in the organization. What are his greatest strengths at that spot? Well, I think that when we drafted Greg, obviously he had he's an 80 runner. I mean, he's he's the elite runner in the game. Um, he's got an 80 arm strength. He's got an absolute cannon that he doesn't always show off, but it's in there. And he's got really good feet. He's got really good agility. He's good in small spaces. Um, the thing for Greg is he's got those long levers, right? And sometimes it looks like maybe it's it's a long throw or it's long to make the play, and it's really not. If you put him on the clock, he's as quick as any source that we have. He can make, you know, the 20%, 30% play look really easy. And I think what we've really tried to do with Greg over the last, you know, year or two years is really getting to, go, to be really good at the 90% to 100% play, the play that every major league shortstop makes. Um, those are the things that we're really focused on. And, and within that, you know, you kind of start with the feet and you go to the hips and then you go to the upper body and then you go to the glove presentation and how, how is his ability to get certain hops. And once he does get the hop, how's he able to transfer the ball? And I think you have to tackle him in, in, in certain, you can't tackle them all in one week. I think if anybody that is a baseball person went and watched Greg Jones, they're going to want to do a million things at one time. And it, 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 you can't work like that. You have to have a process. And I think Greg understands that. I think we understand. That. And I think that's why there's that trust factor is that we've taken it in baby steps with him. And he's been awesome at all of them. He's gotten better at getting hops. He's gotten better with his arm stroke. I think when we drafted him, he had a, like almost like an outfield arm stroke where he would almost come to the hip, to the ear, and it was a long throw. And he didn't need to do that because his arm's so strong. So I think now if you watched him, you would see like a, a more fluid shortstop and he looks the part. And I don't know if we could have said that in Hudson Valley in 19. I think a lot of people were saying, well, as an athlete playing short, he can play all over. And I think now anyone that comes to the park in Montgomery or Durham or wherever he is next year is going to say that he looks like a true shortstop. He's got shortstop actions. And you're right. We have a ton of good shortstops. And I think we're trying to, we're starting to label this organization shortstop you because you can go down 
over the last four or five years of all the AAA shortstops. They're all in the big leagues right now. And that's just something we're really proud of. So from that end, you guys have not, at least in games yet, played him at other spots. Is that something – when is a, as a field coordinator do you make that move because the Rays emphasize versatility? And do you need to, when shortstop shifts so much, to immediately, you know, start to, you know, put guys in different situations? Yeah, and you know what? It's the million-dollar question for all of our players and particularly Greg Jones. I think, I think when, he, when he was drafted, we wanted to make sure he was a really good shortstop. And he's, he's getting there. I mean, he's almost there to where we could say this guy's a really, really, really good shortstop. So I think that we start there. And once, we can able, once we're able to do that, we're, now we're able to say, okay, well, is there an ability to play third and second, center and left or right? And I think that, you know, once a player gets to Durham, we got to start thinking about where is he going to play in the big leagues? What's the roster construction in the major leagues? So it becomes a little bit less about the player, more about how are we going to get this guy to the big leagues? And, you know, we've done it with several players in the past where they had only played one position and we, and we start moving around in Durham. So I think if we were honest with ourselves, you know, it's going to be when he gets to Durham, it's going to, it's going to be what's our, what's our roster construction and when is his timeline start? Like when do we think he's going to play in the major leagues? And if we can answer those questions, we'll have a lot better. Uh, we'll have a lot better feel for when to start moving around a little bit, but right now he's a shortstop and he wants to play short. Uh, we want him to play short and that's what he's working on. You mentioned him being an 80 runner and he was the base runner of the year for the organization. He was 34 out of 36 in stolen bases last year. Can he even be more aggressive on the bases? How good a base runner is he in addition to stealing bases? Yeah, you mentioned the 30, what was it, 34 stolen bases. And that was, you know, he didn't play in, in most of the, he didn't play in all the games that he could have with, with the injury. So I, 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 won't, I don't think it's out of the realm to think he's going to steal 40 or 50 a year. He's just got that kind of speed. And he's got the kind of speed where everyone knows he's running. The pitcher knows he's running. The catcher knows he's running. They're putting all their attention on him. And he still steals the base. He just has that gift. He's got that elite speed. Um, but I'll say this, and I know you may touch on this offense later. I think the one thing that's – I don't think any of us is surprised that Greg Jones playing a really good shortstop because he's such a good athlete, such a good worker, um, and he's got a, the athletic ability to make adjustments. And I don't think anybody's surprised he's going to steal 30 or 40 bases. I think the thing that has surprised us is his power. We knew he was a good hitter, and in Hudson Valley, we would probably say it was like contact over power. And within the 2020 uh, – the time down in Port Charlotte, it just started coming and it was easy power. Like it looks like he's barely swinging and it's 108, it's 110, it's 112. I mean, he's hitting balls where the big boys are and it's craziness from both sides of the plate. And then it starts showing up in the game. So you talk about a guy with 80, 80 speed and now the power, it's just what a, what a tremendous athlete. Where is he stronger from? Because the race have so many switch hitters in the organization. Is he stronger left side, right side? And how different are his two swings? I, you know what? Normally you can pinpoint, all right, this guy had to hit home run derby. He would hit it right-handed, right? So I, I asked him, you know, I've, we've all seen him hit BP a, a lot, and he's got power from both sides. And I asked him one day, if you had to hit home run derby today, which side would it be from? And he's like, it doesn't matter. I'd hit from both sides. <laughs> That's what I see. I don't see more power from one side or the other. I think in Hudson Valley, I would have said right-handed he had more power. And normally that's the case because it's the right-hand dominant. He's a right-handed thrower. But he's able to generate power from the left side as well, and even like oppo power. So I don't know. I think he's got power from both sides. 
Where do you see his greatest area of growth for this year? Well, I think his greatest area of growth is going to be, I think it's going to be two things. One, you know, continue to get really good at shortstop. Um, I think we set the bar, the bar really, really high for our shortstops and really every position player, but primarily shortstop. And as you said, we have a lot of good ones um, above him and behind him. So I think that's going to be the one area that we'll really focus on. That's that's going to be the meat and potatoes, what his day is going to look like. It's going to be getting better at shortstop. I think the second thing is, I think that, you know, we don't ever want guys to sell out for power with swing and miss. And I think that's the one thing that maybe he'll, he would probably admittedly say, like, he's a better hitter than probably he's shown, even though he's had really good numbers. Uh, his bat to ball ability is, is, should be elite. And I think it will be elite. So I think that'll be some of the focus on him, you know, particularly in the winter camp next, next uh, week. And then moving forward in the spring training, the season will be that bat to ball ability that we know is so elite. And then with his elite speed, does he bunt much for hits? Does he collect a lot of infield hits? And is that a part of his game that can expand? <laughs> no, he doesn't. Um, and we, you know, we we obviously talked to all of our guys about bunting, and they kind of just get, I'll be honest, in 2022, it's like it's in one ear and out the other. It's like, MJ, we don't bun the big leagues. And I'm like, all right, well, that we bunt for hits up there. Well, if some some of our major leaguers are able to bunt up there with power hitters then I think that we can have our minor leaders do it. So he doesn't do it a lot, um, but it's, it's something that, you know, we're definitely going to c- continue to, uh, to, to stress for him. And how good can he be, Michael? I think he can be one of the, one of the elite players. I mean, he's got the, the tools, the skill set, the makeup. Um, we just got to keep this kid healthy. We got to keep him on the field for 140 games and the sky's the limit. It really is. He's, he's got it all. I mean, he, he really is the kid. I mean, we pull for all our kids, but my gosh, he's such a special kid, special human, special athlete, and uh, he's going to be he's going to be extremely special. Michael, good stuff. We appreciate a few minutes on Greg Jones. Thanks, Neil. That's Michael Jones, the race field coordinator, with some really good perspective on Greg Jones. As you heard, Greg has a good reputation in the weight room and in regards to his work ethic. Chris Osman is the new coordinator of strength and conditioning for the Rays minor league system, and I asked him what it meant to join Tampa Bay. Well, I've heard nothing but good things about the Rays, uh, even when I was with the Flyers in the NHL. Um, you know, I'd heard great things about the organization. Our GM, um, you know, had mentioned to me in a few times actually have how the um, how good of a culture the Rays had with uh, with their staff and through their through their whole system and. Um, when I decided to to leave the Flyers and, and join the Rays, I you know I brought that up to him, and he's like, well, he was just like, you're joining a great organization. So um, you know, just you know, coming from the hockey world and having other management from other leagues, you know, talk great things about you know teams from other sports. That's that's huge. <laughs> so that was one of the driving factors of of me wanting to join the Rays is that um, you know. I knew I was coming into a great environment, um, you know, great people, um, treat everybody like family and, uh, you know, treat their staff well. And, you know, if I need needed something to help my job or make it better, I knew that, you know, I I was going to get it. And, uh, you know, because it's it's all about development. And um, so I, I, you know, just coming into a great situation. Now, for fans who don't know, you were in baseball went to the NHL ranks and then came back. Was there an interest all along if there was an opportunity to come back to baseball or, or was this just a unique opportunity? 
Uh, just to give you some context, you know, my first professional um, stint in strength and conditioning in, was in baseball with the Minnesota Twins back in 2002. I'm aging myself here now. Um, a triple A with the Twins, uh, went down to Fort Myers for spring training, and then they actually sent me right back home with the Edmonton Trappers <laughs> up in Edmonton, Alberta, Canada. So uh, I was living in Olds, Alberta at the time. So literally I, I ended up basically an hour from where I was living. So, um, you know, so that was kind of interesting and it was a great experience. You know, we won the championship that year. So um, having success your first year in a, in a professional organization is never a bad thing. Um, you know, but um, I've always loved baseball. You know, growing, being a Canadian, obviously you grow up with hockey and it's in your blood. I kind of knew I'd be in hockey at some point in my life, but, um, you know, I, I grew up playing softball. Baseball is not big in Canada, obviously, in high school and whatnot, so we play softball in the summer, so I love my glove just as much as I love my, my hockey stick. <laughs> so, um, you know, and I'm a sport guy. I'm not just hockey or baseball or football. I just love sport. And uh, I treat everybody like athletes. You know, when, even when our, our guys come in to do morning activation now, you're an athlete first, you're a baseball player second. You know, it's all about moving well and, and whatnot. So, um, so I kind of take that, you know, you know, just because, you know, coming back to baseball was, you know, something that, you know, wasn't on the radar, so to speak. Um, but, you know, I, I just kind of felt it in my gut that it was time to make a change. And I had such a great experience in baseball. I, you know, I want to come back. And uh, coming to a great organization like the Rays makes things a lot easier in terms of deciding those things. A couple things. One, I thought it was really interesting that you actually, before you even pursued the Rays, had heard from others in hockey talking about the Rays. Um, and then two, how different is training in the strength and conditioning side, training an athlete in hockey versus the specificity of some of the activity you're doing in baseball? Uh, believe it or not, there's a lot of similarities. Uh, I mean, you know, both all athletes are humans, <laughs> uh, right? So in terms of, you know, the principles we use in the weight room or in conditioning, you know, those don't change, right? Progressive overload, specificity, you know, we're trying to match up that transference to the field or to the hockey rink. Um, but, uh, you know, the biggest difference is the energy systems, obviously. You know, baseball is more about that short burst, explode, recover, uh, do it again, you know, more single efforts versus, you know, hockey, it's more repeated efforts, you know. So, you know, you have a 45-second shift and you explode, recover, you got to do it again five, in five seconds, right? So you got limited recovery. So the energy systems are a little different, but at the end of the day, they're both power sports. It's just how you address that power. It's more sustainable power versus a little more single effort power. Um, pitchers, on the other hand, it's a little more like that. You know, you got to explode, recover, and do it over hopefully nine innings. Um, but, um, you know, for the mo most part, you know, this more of the energy systems where we really got to specialize a little bit. So are there things that you learned from hockey that actually can help you or helping you the second go around in, in the baseball world? Yeah, there's a there's a lot of things I'm actually bringing from the hockey world now and actually implementing with our with some of our camps going on right now. And a lot of it is more about postural issues that we see, you know, pretty much all athletes have them. It's just, you know, some athletes tend to show more more of these compensations than others. You know, in hockey obviously you know, there's a big issues with the hips and whatnot. You know, I, I don't think I've ever met a hockey player that hasn't had some sort of issue with their hips is how they manage it. 
And, you know, with baseball guys, you know, they're sprinters and, you know, they're rotating. And so there is a, you know, there is a chance that there could be some issues with the hips, you know, no different than with the shoulders. So um, some of the things we're implementing now in terms of what we used to do with the hockey guys is more of that top-down approach when we're training the pelvis on top of the femur versus, you know, moving the femur and keeping the, the pelvis in one spot. So um, we're just kind of training the posterior chain and that, that pelvic region, you know, in a way that, you know, mimics a little more what they do on the field, uh, which, which kind of helps kind of keep the pelvis in check. It's not rotating too much, um, which will help, you know, kind of with posture, again, less back issues, less chance of having, you know, hamstring strains or groin strains, those types of things. So um, having really good success with it right now. You know, we've only been doing it for a month, and guys, they're feeling really good. Um, you know, they feel like they're actually engaging a bit more through their, through their hips and through their posterior chain, which is what we want when you're a hitter and you're a pitcher. <laughs> you know, <laughs> you need to be able to use your back end. <laughs> no doubt. <laughs> yeah, so it's, uh, it's, it's going well. So how specific are your programs, are they, you know, you've got almost 200 players total within the organization. How specific are the actual programs that are built for the players? And as a coordinator, are you kind of passing from one and just keeping an eye? How, how does your role differ, let's say, versus if you were a strength and conditioning coach for a specific team like Durham, Montgomery, et cetera? Uh, you know, uh, as a coordinator, um, you know, it's my job to kind of set the principles and, you know, the big rocks of our program uh, to make sure that, you know, all of our staff are kind of adhering to those, you know, those big rocks and making sure that we're addressing certain things in our training. Um, it certainly is a lot easier when you have one team, but when you're kind of overseeing 200 players, it gets to be a little crazy. Um, but, you know, we make sure that our staff are all on the same page when it comes to individualizing workouts. You know, we're in the process of creating, you know, uh, a huge video library where we kind of, that keeps consistency amongst the affiliates. Um, you know, so we're not kind of, you know, one, one strength coach is going one way and another strength coach is going another. You know, and one of the one of the big rocks that we want is to really individualize. Uh, and that when I say individualize, that could be, you know, what we're actually training in terms of stimulus. You know, the exercise selection based on you know the injury history and biomechanics and position and what have you. Um, you know, obviously, so those things play a role. But you know, the big thing that we don't want to do is blanket everybody with the same. Okay, everybody's working strength today, or everybody's working power. You know, we're really trying to get into a spot where we can we look at our assessments because we assess a lot and we have a lot of information. You know, let's take that data and actually really individualize what each athlete is doing in the weight room. So um, we're trying to move away from traditional periodization where it's like, okay, everybody does strength and now, okay, everybody moves to power. Everybody moves to speed. You know, some guys don't need any more strength and then some guys don't need any more power, right? So it's it's really kind of, you know, non-linear but you know we assess every two weeks you know with our jump training and whatnot and we can tell okay this guy needs more strength this guy needs more power this guy still still needs more strength so we can really get individual with the stimulus um, and that's going to carry over once we go into the affiliates as well so started in spring training and just keep it going um, you know you tend to see a lot of young younger guys needing more strength obviously because they're still developing but a lot of our veteran players, you know, they're already strong enough for their sport. So having them squat 500 pounds isn't going to make them a better hitter or a better pitcher or a better sprinter. Uh, you know, 
it could actually do more damage to their, you know, more impact on their body, more stress. So, it's, you know, we don't want them to be a hamster in the wheel and just hammering something that's just not going to help them anymore. So we want to make sure we're identifying those gaps for, for everybody because that's what we're, we do here in the minor leagues is all about development, getting everybody to the next level. And on that end, you mentioned also data. How much does technology now help you do your job more so than when you got into this industry or even when you were in the NHL? Well, when I was first started out, again, I'm dating myself here. Uh, when we first started out, it was basically all pen and paper. You know, we, you know, there was no such thing as, you know, recording workouts on iPads and smartphones and um, no such thing as like, you know, measuring bar velocity in, in the weight room. So, <laughs> you know, it's, I always say, I, I tell some of the younger strength coaches that if you, if you're gym aware, which is measures bar velocity, if that goes down, if you can hear the rattle on the bar, you know, there's speed. <laughs> so, um, you know, those, some of the old, old school things, but, um, you know, technology is huge today because it's, it's all about data points and it's all about tracking progress. And, you know, just that example with bar velocity, you know, we can, we can see if somebody's moving the, has a certain weight of moving the bar at a certain velocity and how that's trending over time. So, and then if we see it trend down, is it fatigue related or is it more a deconditioning issue? So that's just one example. But another one is like, you know, with heart rate training, you know, when our pitchers are doing their running programs, we can throw the monitors on, get a trimp, which is basically like a training impulse, like how much work I guess you know their heart is actually doing over that training protocol you know get their average heart rate get their trim and get their one minute post and we can actually compare that the same protocol from month to month and then you know if they're trending down or you know we can it just gets us asking questions you know is it fatigue related issue or are they deconditioning and um, if you if you don't do that you're just guessing and at the end of the day, we don't want to guess, <laughs> especially when, you know, careers on the line and it's, you know, and this, it's all about performance and we want to win games and we want to prevent injury. Well, we welcome you to the organization. We appreciate some time and we certainly hope there's a minimal amount of injuries and a whole lot of personal growth for all the players throughout the system. You know, and I agree, you know, less injuries, better performance, you know, and it's all about development. That's why we're here. That's Chris Osmond, and we welcome him to the organization and appreciate his time and that of feature guest Greg Jones, as well as Michael Johns. Thank you for joining us and for listening to prospect podcasts like this one, and we will talk with you soon.